0: is what brings us together today hello and welcome to sons of thunder the podcast where with your permission we'd like to walk you down the aisle welcome to episode 20 something and it's part four or five of a seven part series so whatever gentlemen how are you (laughs) good thanks doing good excellent (laughs)
1: You're clearly a details man, Sam.
2: <laughs> yeah, so we've done one, two, three, four, and then four A or four, four B a. or something. So this
0: might be episode five. Part, sorry, part five part of seven. Five. Yeah. I think it's Which episode 21 or 22. H. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. It's an eight part, seven part series. That's the way we roll. <laughs> Mowage. <laughs> I was waiting for that. I. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> Before you came online, Father Dave, Marty said to me, you know what's going to be in this episode. I thought for about five seconds, and then I just said, marriage. Love, true love.
1: Love, true love. will follow you forever.
0: Uh, you better explain, Marty, for those who didn't listen, listen to the first few episodes, what are you referencing? I
2: retain my previous statement that there are two kinds of people there's people who think the princess bride is a kid's chick flick and then there's people who have actually seen it (laughs) a wonderful wonderful movie marriage
0: that blessed arrangement that dream within a dream and in this particular episode marty i think you might be our go-to on this one
2: It's dangerous, isn't
0: it? Isn't it? So what we have to discern, Father Dave, is whether his opinions are actually (laughs) indicative of wider society and church teaching. And I suspect that his wife will be listening closely
1: to the answers to (laughs) then judge him as well.
0: Yep. That's it.
2: Lots of judgment here.
0: Could could we wheel her in and just have her sitting behind you and she can either shake or nod her head? um <laughs>
2: I us try to work out how to say i don't want to <laughs>
0: <laughs> can we begin i would like to ask a question straight off the cuff which is why is marriage a sacrament how does marriage actually reflect the love of god or how is it an encounter with god how is it that's, symbolic of god that's a really good question
2: sam and i'll, I'll, I'll let father dave
1: i was i was waiting to hear some profound thoughts from you
2: marty come on i think everyone has a basic sort of understanding of marriage like an entry-level kind of understanding but i think that's very shallow compared to the full truth
0: of the mystery of christian marriage if marriage reflects in a very weak way the trinity and that relationship there father dave you've said many times that you'd love to do a series just a podcast on its own just looking at the trinity and unpacking that relationship if marriage reflects that relationship of self-giving is reflecting the nature of god
1: yeah so to try to understand the sacramental side of marriage the basic story of christianity is is a it's a love story It's a story of God who is love. You know, as it says in 1 John chapter 4, God is love. Basically, God wants us to enter into that infinite love. And so the whole way God reveals himself through the Old Testament is, well, using marriage imagery. Go through the prophet Hosea, there's this whole image of God saying, you know, I will be your husband. In the prophet Isaiah, God keeps talking about how, like, you know, I want to marry you. It's intimate language God's using. So in a sense, marriage is like the the symbol of the fulfilment, which is actually in God. So on 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 one side, we could basically say marriage is almost like a street sign pointing us to the reality. So mm. like if you saw a street sign saying Perth or Bracknell, where you're from, Sam,
0: the street sign's not the actual town or the city. Our street signs have bullet holes through them, but anyway. <laughs>
1: because <laughs> they're probably symbolic of ah, going.
0: So <laughs>
1: it reveals something of the destination but in the same way if marriage is like a street sign pointing us to the eternal wedding banquet or the you know the, this marriage with god it reflects something of the fulfillment but in the same way that a street sign reflects the city it, it has the same name it points you in the right direction but you can't compare the two hmm.
0: and yet in our everyday experiences marriage and that relationship and the intensity of family life would probably be the most intense experience we can have and yet in the grand scheme of things it's it's a signpost yeah
1: yeah uh, but but this is the thing so so marriage is a sacrament in that it reveals to us a profound truth about heaven and the love of the trinity very often when i celebrate weddings i try to explain to the couple saying your marriage is missionary. Like, like the very fact that you are married is like you preaching to the world about the love of God. Mm. You probably mm. don't feel like that most days, but <laughs> that's basically the sacramental nature of the marriage. And, and this is why the church takes marriage so seriously, because it's not just two people in love. It's two people proclaiming a profound divine truth.
0: Mm. Marty, how long have you been married for? Uh, Hang no. on, I want to have a guess. Oh, were you okay. was that? Were you can say okay. nine. I was going to no, say nineteen. 19, a, a 19 years. Nineteen years. You, you nailed it! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> couldn't possibly get it ten years wrong, could you? <laughs>
2: almost, almost nineteen and a half.
0: Mm. Oh, happy nineteen and a half anniversary! Thanks. Yeah. Coming up, I want to talk about
2: that commitment, love turning into a like a holistic commitment, not not just long term, but till till death do us part commitment a permanent commitment so free total and fruitful i think are the free
1: faithful total fruitful yeah
2: free faithful total fruitful so there's four four i guess that's from the catechism <laughs>
1: Everything else is in there, so. Right.
2: Okay, can,
0: can we, Marty, can you hold your question there for one, or sorry, your, your statement sure. there for one moment? Can we go through these? Can we pick these apart? Because yeah. this is where the Catholic definition of marriage does differ from many other definitions of marriage, versions of marriages. In fact, I, I grabbed this. I saw this not long ago, which is three pillars of marriage. And when I saw the heading, I thought, oh, wow, they've, they've taken something of Catholic teaching. But no, the three pillars of marriage, according to these particular, I would assume, counsellors are integrity, respect, and endurance. Now, whilst they are very good things to have, I could, in my work that I do, have integrity, respect, and endurance, and you wouldn't Term it as marriage. Mm. You term it as me having integrity, respect, and endurance in my work, in what I do. Mm. Whereas the Catholic definition of marriage actually defines it as in if you're doing these, it's essentially you are you're edging into a corner where it's difficult to be anything else. It it doesn't automatically make it, but you're in a corner where you're having to say, well, what is it if if you've got those those four elements you just named?
1: These are the things necessary for the validity of marriage. And, and really for the validity of your vows. So it has to be free. So you can't be compelled. The fact that your mother thinks that this is the right person for you to marry or arranged.
2: Which could be a good thing if your mother thinks that. But that's not makes the...
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if, if there's family pressure or, you know, this is for the sake of acquiring land. You know, mm. if, you, if you think of uh, the monarchies where they would often marry mm. for the sake of Political needs so so you've got to be free you, you've got to actually be able to choose this has to be faithful you have to be choosing to be with just this one person so if you go into the marriage concealing another relationship then your vows aren't valid fruitful in that it needs to be open to life so even if you're not able to conceive children you have to be willing to. And total, I think really tries to express that sense of giving the whole of yourself to the person. Mm. You're not trying to hold anything back. It's not conditional in any way. Mm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I often think of that when I have to get up in the middle of the night, which I hate because something's going on or there's noises or the, something with the kids and stuff. Then you go, this is, this is total. <laughs> <laughs> this is not what I want to do right now,
0: but. Yes. You don't roll over and just say your turn. No no
2: <laughs> no i t- i take my responsibility seriously <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh, all three of us are going to come at this from a very different perspective a lot of people know this i've been through a divorce and annulment so i've seen that whole spectrum in a way you th- Marty... so you
2: thought you were married but it turned out that you actually that I
0: wasn't no that's what that means yes can i tell a story about that go
2: years ago i remember when i was a graduate talking to a guy driving somewhere for a job he just got married and he was complaining to me that she had to get an annulment because the catholic church didn't think that i was worthy of marrying her and i thought to myself that's so not what that means that's, mm. Mm. and there's a whole lot of emotion going on as well which can't deny the emotion but that statement is fictitious you know i was young and didn't really have the heart to. Explain. no no that's that's completely wrong what what the catholic church is saying is that if she has already given herself totally and freely to someone else she's not then available to give herself again because it's already been given away yeah we didn't have that conversation
0: <laughs> it's an interesting situation at a, at a secular level with marriage that essentially this is a contract that you can break at any time without the other person's permission Within the church, they'd say, this, this is a contract and it's binding. And when we process down the aisle before the wedding, Father Dave, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've been told this comes from Old Testament times of a covenant where you walk between, they, they'd slaughter an animal, mm. and then the two people making the covenant would walk between the slaughtered animals that w- were scattered. And- That's how Abraham
2: and God did in Genesis.
0: Yeah, and say, if... I break this covenant, may what happened to them happen to me. And in a wedding, we walk between the two families. If I break this covenant, then I have to face you. (laughs) Hmm.
1: I I haven't heard that used with the analogy of the families on either side.
0: But he's using it from now on. Uh,
1: It probably (laughs) depends on who the families are. There's a big difference between a contract and a covenant. Like a contract is, is an exchange of things whereas a covenant is an exchange of persons. Mm. As Marty mentioned, the, the the story of Abraham entering into a covenant with God, they did the whole ritual of cutting up a few cows and sheep and whatever. But the interesting thing about that covenant that God made with Abraham is that God didn't ask Abraham to walk through the middle because he knew that humanity wouldn't be able to keep it. But God went through the middle uh. in the form of this great fireball. basically saying, I'm going to be faithful, even if you can't be. We don't quite do the marriage ceremony with dissected sheep. It would be a whole lot more messy, I think, with the wedding gowns mm, if
2: we did. It would necessarily be an outdoor kind of service, <laughs> <wouldn't> I'd <it?
1: laughs> <I> imagine so. <laughs> or every church would just have red carpet. <laughs> the significance of it is that I mean, it's, it's just as serious. It, it's really standing before God saying, we are seriously going to live these vows unto death. But yeah, I don't think most people really understand the seriousness of that.
0: And I had an experience similar to what you were talking about, Marty, with your friend in the car post separation, but not yet annulled. And the advice that I'd received from people, I still wore my wedding ring. And my thought behind that was, I still live with the presumption that I am married, even though we're not living that out. So it's a very awkward phase to be in. You could be married, but you're certainly not living within the context of what you would normally say is a marriage. But the advice being given from different people was usually along the lines of, "Take it off and just start dating." You can't get married, but just start dating. But that becomes very difficult if you know there is a possibility that I might be married. So how can you be how can you be dating someone else? That advice came regularly. So I've been through a. Divorce and annulment, Marty. You've been married for 19 years and have three children. And Father Dave, I would imagine that you have prepared and married, celebrated the marriages of quite a few people.
1: Many, yeah.
2: Now there's a good point. I yes, because who actually I, married them? Well, have you? Because I heard that the in a in the marriage sacrament, it's actually mm. the bride and the groom who perform the. The sacrament, sacrament yes and the, the priest is a primary witness to it i'm just a witness that's right yeah so it's like this podcast keep going buddy <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go
1: down. you guys are you know running the podcast i'm just a witness So that's,
0: that's my uh, disclaimer.
1: yeah no so in in our common language we would say the priest marries these people but in reality it's a sacrament performed by the bride and the groom with the priest standing as a witness before god before the church in extreme circumstances, it can be delegated to a layperson to play the role of the priest. So mm. if you happen to be way out remote in the country and a priest couldn't get there, or if you're in a country where there are no priests, you can actually delegate that to somebody else to stand in for the priest.
2: Deacons can do it too, can't they? Yeah, that's Patches, right. Patches, matches and dispatches. Pretty much. So baptisms, marriages and Funerals. funerals. <laughs>
1: But yeah, like in terms of preparing couples for marriage, like I said, what you were saying there about annulment, the, the whole thing of annulment, people sometimes say that's just Catholic version of divorce.
0: No. All right. Yeah. Can I jump in but on this? Really. Because I had to, as part of the annulment process, you must first of all tie off all civil pr- proceedings, meaning I had to get a divorce first. The divorce mm. was very cold and matter of fact, and go into the courtroom. You don't have to prove anything. And you just have to you show that you've been separated for 12 months. That's it. And done. Divorced. The annulment process I went through was very taxing. I actually found it very, um, not therapeutic, but uh, healing, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. It actually drew in witnesses. They actually weighed up a case. There was uh, someone for and someone against. And they then had to pull a case together. And there was always the possibility of them coming back saying no. But with the yes that came back, which I won't go into in on this podcast, but actually outlined the why, which comes back to the four pillars that you named earlier on father dave Mm -hmm. in my case there were two so they actually name which ones and then they give an explanation as to why so the difference between annulment and divorce couldn't be more different if you tried
1: yeah Mm. yeah so it's trying to determine the validity of the marriage based on whether it was free faithful fruitful total so it's a very different thing to just divorce
2: and it's even in the name i mean annulment means it's null and void it never actually happened it looked like it happened Mm. yeah
1: but in terms of in terms of preparing people for marriage like i i find it fascinating that most people really don't know how to prepare for marriage Mm. there's so much focus on i suppose discern your vocation and people say, well, I believe God wants me to be married, so now it's just up to me to find the right person. And then once I find them, it's all the question of reception venues and flowers and photographers and things like that.
0: Would it be fair to say there's a lot more focus on the wedding than on the marriage?
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: If you're the groom, you've really
2: only got to find a suit and a best man.
1: <laughs> and then get out of the way.
0: <laughs> yes. And a go-karts venue, Marty. <laughs> yep. <laughs>
1: But I'll often sit down with couples and just say, look, what's your mission for your marriage? And every time you just get this blank look of like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, like, your marriage is a vocation. This is you out on mission together in the world. What are you doing? And they've, they've just never thought of it. It's that sense that people only look at their marriage as being about them. Mm. It's our love. This is us enjoying our love. And then kids will come along. But if you actually think of it as a vocation and like a missionary vocation, it's like, okay, God's put you together to make each other holy and make mm. everyone in your field, sphere of influence holy. So what's your vision for that? You know, how, do you, how are you going to do that?
2: So what you say, primary responsibility is to enable your spouse to go to heaven mm. and, and also your children.
0: Which is very different too. We're making a public statement of our love yeah. at the wedding. One is a glorious day of photographs and looking our best. And the other one, the other one is a lifetime of sacrifice. Yeah. yeah.
2: And praying for each other. Which I think's really, really important and probably not done that much, I'm guessing.
0: And priests bring Christ into the world through the Eucharist. And families bring souls into the world. So it's a, it's a wonderful meeting point of the two.
1: I think both are bringing God into the world by bringing love into the world. You know, like where, wherever there is love, there is God. And so it's in that commitment to love, particularly to love when mm. there's no reason to love. Mm. That's where marriage really triumphs. And I think this is sort of the, the key thing that there's such a secular focus on happily ever after that you sort of miss this sense of what, becoming holy actually looks like. Um, it, it means being purified through fire, really. like It's about having all your selfishness stripped away until you learn how to be humble and truly loving. And that's so important for having the right starting point for marriage, really. If your starting point is my fulfillment and my happiness, then you're setting yourself up for divorce. But if your starting point is, I want to be purified like gold in a furnace, and realising that every sacrifice I make for my spouse and my kids is just going to strip away all the junk and and stir up all the junk that needs to be healed, then you're placing yourself in a perfect place for becoming a saint.
0: Marty, can I make a statement and can you either object to it? Nod or shake my head. (laughs) Yeah. So I'd say that in heading into marriage, any issues that exist, if you see... Marriage as a way to help solve the issue, then more than likely that issue actually becomes bigger in marriage. Yeah, I think it's probably fairly, fairly accurate. True, yeah. But we've got some mm. amazing examples of holy marriages because there are quite a few saints who uh, were married. So uh, straight away, think of Louis and Zelly Martin. Can I say Zelly and the
2: guy? If I couldn't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Louis. Saint Therese of Lisieux's parents. Mm, mm.
0: And her other siblings all joined the convent too, uh, which I didn't know previously, but I know that because you told me in a previous podcast. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
2: I can't imagine two people getting married and not having conflict, especially early on significantly. Oh, I liken this to another, so much lesser sort of relationship, but at work with another project manager who's working for me and we sort of hated each other for about a year, but we were stuck in there. And we became quite good friends after that. I remember talking to this other dude, one of our bosses, and he said, well, of course, of course you have. You had enough time to sandpaper off the edges off each other. I've never thought about that at that time. But that's the case, I think, in marriage even more so.
0: Are you able to pinpoint, Marty, in what way – so two questions. In what way your relationship has changed – in 19 years and in what way your mission as father dave was just pointing out of what he'd normally ask a couple preparing for marriage how has your mission changed uh
2: still looking blankly (laughs) it's a bit it's a bit easier for me because my bride's the most wonderful woman in the in the world that's why i picked her over all the other ones what has changed uh i don't know it's been been, we've been married for a long time it's hard to remember (laughs) (laughs) to be honest but i do I, i noticed that she was beautiful when we got married. I remember that, but I think she's more beautiful now. There you go, mic drop, boom. Beautiful.
0: What actually helps that
2: process, Marty? Apparently, date nights. That's the yeah. that's the advice. We we don't really do that. <laughs> not, yeah, it's just difficult. I don't know.
0: Well, I'm, I'm you, not going really to make excuses. <laughs> just, did, maybe just because I'm lazy. <laughs> did you have a sense of mission when you got married? Um, no, uh, not Because I think right. you do now, well and truly, yeah, yeah. because you, you talk about it a lot.
2: Yeah. You talk I about don't...
0: the mission of your family in yeah, private no, conversations, see... what we're praying for.
2: No, but back back when, I think we were as uh, underprepared as everyone else. You prepare, Father Dave, <laughs> This is not a reflection on your preparation. I didn't mean it, did I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: just, just for listeners, Father Dave didn't marry Marty. Father Dave was not a priest at that point. Correct. Correct. Who did marry you? Monsignor Green. Ah. You were there. I was there. I just couldn't remember. It was 19 years ago. (laughs) Nineteen and a half. Gee, the photos were good. All I remember are the photographs and the (laughs) go-karting beforehand.
2: Do you remember who won the go-karting?
0: Yes, I do, Marty. (laughs) I got second.
2: (laughs) I got a cup. And then later on that day, I got the real prize, but we got married.
1: (laughs) <laughs> well, the comment you make there about not being prepared, Marty, they often talk about three stages of preparation being remote, proximate, and immediate. So your, your remote preparation is basically your family upbringing.
2: Yeah, I think we've done that one.
1: Yeah, and you, you know, I'd, I'd imagine you probably did that one pretty well. <laughs> you know, the, the sort of proximate is where you're discerning, trying to choose the right person, trying to use your single life well to get yourself ready for that. And then the immediate is really that time of engagement.
2: Mm.
1: But yeah, I think most people are probably not conscious of the preparation they have done or haven't done for that matter Mm. it's not just about whatever formation course you do it's it's really about what have you been exposed to in terms of family like have Mm. you seen families that fight fair and you know do conflict well or things like that. It's
0: also I think very easy in our teens and then twenties to set bad examples for ourselves. We we get into habits with relationships or the way that we communicate, even the way that we see relationships or see sex, and all of that can feed into a very unhealthy foundation as we head in towards marriage. Mm. Do you have to unpick a bit of that in the preparation?
1: I I spend a lot of whenever I talk to young adults I regularly say you need to find some married couples and invite yourself around for meals, like Mm -hmm. long before you even start dating somebody, because a lot of people get all their formation through movies or, you know, TV dramas.
0: Like the princess bride. (laughs) Well, probably worse ones, actually. (laughs) Yes. I'd imagine stuff is probably a lot
1: worse, but that's where you end up with this really unrealistic vision of marriage you know, particularly all the rubbish that's on TV these days, like married at first sight or whatever. Mm. Actually go and spend time with people who have been married for 40 or odd years and learn about what it's really like. So you actually enter into the journey with the right understanding of what's ahead.
0: Mm.
2: We uh, we did do that. Well, we did that anyway, because we knew married people. But um, I one couple in particular, we spent a fair bit of time with in the lead up to us get married. They were great. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Just think about that now. Some of the, I can't remember any examples, but I remember thinking of some of the stuff they were sort of saying about way they allocated tasks, you know, within their household and, and this kind of thing, which didn't didn't really make sense. I mean it made sense, but you think you know, whatever when I, back when I was young and you know, knew everything. And it makes a lot more sense now.
1: <laughs>
0: Father Dave, when we were in Melbourne back in two thousand and five, I lived that year boarding with a family. And you both know them, Martin and Lisa. And living, there you go, flash from the past. Living with those guys was like jumping into the middle of a circus, (laughs) young kids. It was extraordinary that particularly with Lisa, you'd be having a conversation and it would be interrupted by children and family life. And then all of a sudden the conversation just picked up again an hour later. And that's how all the conversations weave together. Everything was interrupted, but the the sacrifices for one another. I remember we actually were robbed. We were all out of the house and someone broke in and stole everything. And as a single person, that affected me, I think, less than for them as a married couple, particularly with children. I'd highly recommend it. I mean, going around for dinner is one thing, but I'd recommend boarding with a family for one year. If you ever get the chance to do it, you don't get many opportunities to do something like that. Don't do it while you're young it too, It was fantastic. And another friend, Dave Batten, Puma Dave, if you've ever read the book, actually came and lived with us for about five or six months in that time. So there were two single guys, we are best mates, living under the same roof with this family, with their kids. It was Fantastic. And sitting there, we used to, I used to sit on the small step with their youngest and we'd share breakfast together. But a real eye-opener as to how in, intense that sacrifice is for one another day in, day out. Mm. And then you can stay for dinner. Just think a different way of
1: how family does it. Because mo- most people are only ex- exposed to their own parents uh, yeah. or their own family.
2: Mm. We were talking about conflict before. Yeah, the way, the way my parents and consequently my whole family argues with each other is quite different to the way my wife's family argued with each other. And then when we got married, we had these two different ways of arguing that weren't 100% compatible, which took mm. some time to work out how, how how we argue with each other, which is <laughs> which is different
0: to those other two families. Mm. And then in time, your it's children... will. all about will... arguments,
2: but just as an example.
0: <laughs> in time, your children will have to figure out what their argument pattern is.
1: Yeah. But it can be quite confronting when you sees people who fight on a whole different level i remember going for dinner with this this family and you could see this disagreement building between the husband and wife quite publicly while the rest of us are having dinner and they just kind of stopped and said what are we afraid of you know why are we arguing here there's something we're afraid of if we can name that then we can move on rationally and all of us who were there for dinner just kind of sat back saying hang on that's not normal yeah
2: what no no plate (laughs) throwing yeah
1: (laughs) Like you're actually able to identify your feelings and, you know, insecurities and then Mm. move on rationally. Ah, grownups.
0: Can I throw in, I I want to go to a completely different area here regarding marriage. There are a lot of different things floating around in society that are not compatible with a Catholic definition of marriage. So can I throw some of these out? And can we look at why we'd be very hesitant that they would ever be involved within the sacrament of marriage? Things like prenuptial agreements. For a lot of people, they'd look at something like that and say, this is a very smart thing to do. What's the problem?
1: So your commitment's not total. So Mm. the fact that you've already created an escape hatch means that you're not actually making a total commitment. So therefore marriage is not valid.
0: I'm committing to you for the rest of my life unless we aren't committed. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Father Dave on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! I want you to disagree. Whatever he says next, disagree. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, the one that really does cop it within the church being contraception. Are we talking 1960s? Was this humana vitae? Mm. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people were expecting that the church would okay it, and the church didn't. And it's been a very contentious issue ever since. And St. John Paul II beautifully expounded that with theology of the body. And mm. that was the turning point for me was actually reading that. Not the whole thing. It's pretty dense, but certainly mm. some some uh, snippets from uh, Christopher West and these days Jason and Kristalina Everett breaking it so down into pint-sized pieces. I've got to say,
2: in a nutshell, you can't contracept and be open to God's action in your life. No, that's... Or is that, that's that a mod drop again?
1: What you got? Yeah, contraception it. clashes in, in a big way. With, like, obviously, the, the, this, the secular view of that compared to the church's view of that. I think in the last or well, however many years it's been since that document came out, Humana Vitae, a lot of the research has backed up the church on this one, mm-hmm. both on the side of basic health that contraceptives are a bad idea but also in terms of the strength of a marriage in a sense the the whole issue around fertility and children forces a couple to have to have good communication and sacrifice for each other as soon as you take away that awkward conversation you're no longer having to have communication on such an intimate level And, and that then means that the marriage becomes more superficial
0: and there's, a, there's obviously a, a big elephant in the room here, which is the secular view of sex as opposed to the Catholic Church's view of sex and the purpose, actually what the purpose is mm. behind that and yeah. the clash that happens there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's a massive topic, which we can't summarise in a few seconds. But,
0: but can, can we say this though, that the, the church views sex as a renewal of the marriage vows?
1: Yes. Yeah. Why is it's that? Because it's about giving your whole self to the other person in in the marriage vows you're basically saying i give everything of who i am to you and that's then expressed basically through body language Mm. Mm. pope john paul ii in his theology of the body spoke about the language of the body and and this was kind of his thing around why premarital sex is basically a lie because Mm. your body is saying i give everything i am to you but verbally you're saying i'm not giving everything that i am to you and Mm. in, in in a sense contraception is the same thing your body is saying, I give everything of who I am, but you're then actually lying to the other person saying, I'm not going to give you my fertility. Mm. John Paul II spent a fair bit of time talking about why the, the language of the body helps us make sense
0: of everything else of the sacrament. Yeah. Or I'm not giving you my commitment beyond mm. this moment. Yeah. Mm.
2: So I think it was Peter Crafe talking about this idea of that marriage is a image of heaven. You know, heaven is relationship with Jesus, you know, and becoming part of his nature and and God and you, you know, sort of getting into each other. Mm. um, They said that's like marriage, which doesn't actually happen to the same extent. But couples have fun trying. (laughs) Not my quote, not my quote. (laughs) I I, I can imagine
1: Peter Kree finishing off a profound sentence with something like that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Back when World Youth Day was in Sydney, there was a cardinal on the ABC and I think, I think he may have been from Uganda and he was being pinned by George Negus, must have been Four Corners or something like that, being pinned on the Catholic Church's stance on contraception. And the Cardinal absolutely ripped him to shreds to the point where my own dad, who is not a Catholic, is not a Christian, doesn't, dad doesn't go to church, dad believes in sheep and cows. And dad sat there shaking his head going, man, this guy knows his stuff. And the, the big thing that he pointed out was that in the, his country was the only country that did not adopt the United Nations contraceptive plan in order to stop AIDS. Instead, they adopted a plan of encouraging monogamy in marriage. And they were the only country to actually see a decline in AIDS. Mm. Because when they handed out contraception, it actually increased because people didn't attach responsibility with sex. Uh, and so in a monogamous, monogamous relationship, all of a sudden, without contraception, they're, they're brought about an incredible responsibility with that act.
2: Yeah, I mean, and it's a bit of a follow the science, isn't it? Who would have thought that monogamy reduces STDs? Wow! <laughs> do, you, do you need any more, you know,
1: experiments to <laughs> But they, they do talk about the contraceptive mentality. There's a, a whole worldview that comes with that, which changes the way we understand sex, but then also other human beings. And so the ripple effect of that mm. then goes into pornography, goes into abortion, goes into everything else. That mm. it, It's changed the whole world in terms of how we understand relationships. Uh, so I think the church is very right to have held strong on that.
0: Mm. And with a saintly marriage, you can change the world too. Boom. <laughs> I heard Christopher West in explaining theology of the body, talking about sex being a glimpse of heaven. Uh, so for those who are in marriage or those who are, are aspiring to marriage, I always found that quite an amazing imagery, that sex is a glimpse of heaven. And he said that someone had asked him once, is there sex in heaven? And he said, well, it's a little bit like saying, explaining to a child who knows nothing about sex what sex is and then they ask can you eat ice cream while you have sex and he'd say well normally you wouldn't even thinking about that and they go oh well i just want ice cream because that's all their world kind of revolves around reminds me of a
2: c.s lewis quote which i'm going to misquote (laughs) because i can't remember it exactly but basically he's saying us humans all obsessed with sex drugs and rock and
0: roll when God actually has something so much more than that for us mm. Emf- emphasis that well this is the, actually sorry this is the big lie that 's been set up isn 't it? You can have sex drugs and rock and roll or you can be a prune. Mm. well it 's actually pushed it in the wrong direction it's actually that mm. the sex drugs and rock and roll in that sphere is a pathetic shadow yeah. of what God actually has on offer
2: yeah. So I want to talk about the sacrament itself. What are the minimum requirements? We talked about this with the other ones. Obviously, you need a, a uh, you a need spouse. a spouse. I was going to yeah. say you need a bride. If you're a man, you need a bride.
1: There is there or is a, uh, a there is a modern thing of uh, I think they call it soligamy, which is marrying yourself.
0: Well, there's a woman that... over in uh, Scandinavia, I think, who married a bridge. Sorry. Yeah, that's
2: really weird too, but soligamy.
0: Soligamy, yeah. There's a company in the US
2: actually selling-
1: What's the point? Yeah, because some people just can't find another person who's good enough for them.
0: Let me me get that list again, Marty. (laughs) Integrity, respect, endurance. You can do that by yourself.
1: That's right. But yeah, you can actually buy the soligamy kit, which gives you a a simple ritual to go through with some friends and a ring, just one ring, where you can then marry yourself. The world has gone mad.
2: I have no words for just how ridiculous. <laughs> Question, can you divorce yourself? Well, clearly. I mean, you, you, you should be able to get that annulled pretty easily. should you, as well. So, but sacramentally, I'm going to say, real marriage.
1: So, yeah, Christian you need two marriage.
2: People. <laughs> and, and not just, not contractually, covenantally. Sacramentally. You need a man to one. Mm. What do they need to do to effect the sacrament?
1: We kind of explained the... The background requirements, obviously free, faithful, fruitful, total. Like they, they yep. need to be in that right disposition.
2: Yep. At the time of making the commitment. At the time of making the, the commitment. You could change your mind later, and that's just tough.
1: Well that's it. Yeah, because like that that's the nature of vows, is yeah. As GK Chesterton said, when I'm gonna quote a different guy here. GK Chesterton basically says when when you make a vow, you make an appointment with your future self. Yep. So you're basically saying 20 years from now, I'm still going to want to be married to this person, mm. whether I like it or not at that mm. point. That's the difficult nature of it because I will change and they will change. But we're, we're basically making an appointment for the future to still be there.
2: Yeah, so take it serious. It's like skydiving. Ooh.
1: Yeah, you can't go back to the plane. No, mm.
2: you're on the journey. Only it takes a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the background, there's background disposition, which yep. is... We're crucially important, but that's right. assuming that's all in place. What I'm trying to get to is it does it happen when you give each other rings or like what, what's the actual thing of the you know, like with baptism, that you need water to pour on someone's head? What where's the bit in the marriage ceremony? Okay, it, yeah. Can, can so I have a guess? Is it the vows?
1: It's the vows. <laughs> yes.
2: So you don't actually need a ring?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think so.
2: Beyonce does. Sometimes when Don doesn't have her ring on,
0: I say, you know, we're legally not married while you... you (laughs) Would you mind? Is this where some of the conflict starts?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So so in in all the sacraments, we would talk about matter and form. So there is the, the form of words and the matter being like the physical substance. So, hence, water in baptism or oil in confirmation. Yeah. So, so the the form is the words, and the and the matter is basically the couple, the fact that mm. they give themselves to each other.
2: Yeah. Right. Mm. No, a bit simpler than I thought.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, mar- marriage is a very simple, quick sacrament. The fact that people spend so much money, like people spend like yeah. like fifty thousand dollars these days for a wedding, I'm just like yeah. really.
0: Yeah, you are an MGL though. We didn't. You wouldn't spend five dollars on dinner.
1: How many people would then spend fifty thousand (laughs) dollars investing in their marriage later on? Like in terms of Mm. counselling and working through stuff. And like I've I've worked with couples who their marriage is on the rocks, but they won't go see a marriage counsellor because it costs too much. Mm. I'm just like stupid. (laughs) Like you're gonna you're gonna lose your million dollar house anyway. So like you may as well invest (laughs) and try to keep that together.
2: Yeah. So on that note, I just want to talk about prayer, praying for your spouse and, and children, which I just think is really important, especially if you're in that kind of situation where if you're on the rocks, I like think you've got to pray for your spouse. In fact, the... Where possible, pray together. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's very difficult, even with someone else who you're not married to, but just a normal person who you don't like. And if you decide to pray for them, it's very hard to not like them anymore if you're praying for them. Mm. And I think that is true in spades in in marriage
1: yeah i think that's the real difference between strong marriages and struggling marriages there's actually statistics i remember someone talking about i forget the exact numbers but but between non-christians versus christians in mm. marriage the the rate of divorce is dramatically lower, but then Christians who are actively praying it 's almost minuscule by the, the rate of divorce like mm. it 's such a clear contrast that if if you are praying for each other and praying together, then you 're going to get through mm. um, and, and I think that 's the thing that needs to be really said clearly that there, <sighs> the devil doesn 't like marriage like because the mar- because marriage is an image of the Trinity because you 're revealing God to the world, he hates that, and of course he wants to destroy it. And so this is why we're seeing marriage being knocked out everywhere around our society. So you have to realize that you are stepping into a battleground. If marriage is between you, your spouse and Jesus, then you've got to understand that there's also an enemy trying to knock it, like destroy that. So you have to be on your knees praying furiously.
0: And yeah, there, is, there is an amazing imagery of reflection of the Trinity in marriage and that a husband and wife love each other so much that nine months later, you have to give that love a name. Mm. Yes. Welcome mm. to the world, young Nicholas, or Sienna.
1: That's it. Love always creates. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
0: By the way, I stole that from one of your brothers, Father Tony Sheik. That was one of his homilies. That's okay. But I was listening, it's... and it was about 15 years ago, so yep. you can claim it now.
2: We <laughs> listened to one.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, can we could... talk about the wedding at Cana? Sure. I don't really go know for, what to for... say about it. I just... <laughs> So you would assume that it is not an accident that Jesus began His public ministry at a wedding. Yeah, I just think it shows how um, how important and
2: and foundational. I think it's an illustration of how much Jesus loves marriages as well as well as that we do. I mean, what is what? Why does everyone like weddings? It's in built in people, mm. and was it in built in people because because God does too?
1: And the fact that He provides a whole lot more wine to celebrate with as well. Yeah. Like you were saying before about people always think Christians are just prunes because they can't enjoy themselves. But, yeah, the whole thing of marriage is that it's meant to be this enormous celebration.
0: Like coming out of reconciliation.
1: Yeah. But we're preparing for the for the eternal wedding banquet. That's the way God
2: talks about heaven. mm so Jesus Jesus thinks it's so important that he's prepared to make his first miracle, even though he didn't really want to, to be giving more wine to people who had been celebrating for a couple of days already.
0: Yeah. I'm really enjoying these podcasts. The last couple of weeks and doing this this series on the sacraments, Lord Unmarty for, for deciding this is where we're going. Going to mass and even my everyday thoughts and prayer I I'm feeling very awe inspired by God's love and by heaven and it's it's blowing my mind again. I feel like I'm rediscovering it again. Mm.
2: Mm.
0: I should Good. read more. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Why read when you can listen? <laughs>
0: so, so who's our next guest? <laughs> oh, but that was great. Last week, listening to Dr. Burt. It's really, it's really inspiring hearing that. And I've got to say this. I want to say this. Even though I've been through a divorce and annulment, I think a lot of people would suspect that my view of marriage is maybe a little bit tainted. Etc. In fact, it's the other way around. My love and, and my awe of what marriage is has, has, if anything, been heightened and particularly going through the annulment process. And this is the unfortunate thing is I learned even more going through that process because it was a little bit like marriage preparation, just unfortunately at the other end. I, I'm just absolutely in awe of marriage and marriages, what that love, what that sacrifice is for one another. How difficult that is.
2: I think God the Father's in awe of marriages too. I think he just thinks that's fantastic. And and that's why it's a sacrament because he'll actually give you grace through that and, and ongoing in order to help you to live in a way which reflects the, the Trinity and the love of the Trinity.
1: Mm. Well, I think this is where for anyone who's listening, who is preparing for marriage or you know wanting to get married.
0: You, this, this is exactly what I, this is what i was going to ask you this is going to be my next question so father dave
1: Indeed. what would you suggest
0: for young <laughs> well, people
1: <laughs> because we, we were talking about how enormous the mystery is that you're sharing in the life of the trinity you know you don't just wander into that you know like you, you actually want to prepare yourself for that i a couple of years ago i was doing a a seminar for a bunch of young guys you know in, in that context you can be a little bit blunt and i said to them look how old do you guys want to be when you get divorced and and you can just see all these guys say what but you know but the reality is i said look
0: do you love doing stuff like that i i I do enjoy being controversial (laughs) but
1: (laughs) um, i basically said look the the current stats in australia is 50 percent divorce rate the average length of a marriage in australia is seven years seven
2: seven seven
1: so when you when you take out all the people who've been married for 50 or 60 years that would suggest there's a whole bunch of people, the marriage is falling apart within six months.
2: It's just like Hollywood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's because people are wandering in with no clue at all about what's ahead of them. They haven't done any interior work. They're assuming that marriage is going to fix all their problems. And they fail to realize that you simply end up with twice the amount of baggage because you've got your spouse's baggage as well and all <laughs> the in laws' baggage. Like, you've actually got to deal with your stuff. Like, you. Don't just wander aimlessly while you're single. Like the the time when you're single is so important for doing the deep work to pull out the rocks of your own heart.
0: And it's really important that we do put Jesus first. We seek God first Mm. Mm. in all things. And, And that you get to a point really where a vocation in religious life or the vocation of marriage, where essentially they look like even options. These are beautiful options. And where is God calling me into? Not Mm -hmm. simply, well, God calls me to this one because that one looks ugly Mm. because there's something wrong there. Well, I
2: think that's the the key to vocations is that it's God's action that starts that. It's your cooperation that puts him into it. It's not like you can sit down and actually choose as such a vocation. You know, Mm. it's God who's created you and who's, who starts the work in leading you to what's best for you.
1: One of the key bits of advice I often give to young men is if if they're dating or if they're looking towards marriage, I say, look, as a challenge for nine days or even longer, set your alarm for two o'clock in the morning and get up and pray the rosary on your knees and then go back to bed. And basically pray for this girl who you want to marry. And you always get this absolute horrified look you know just like why would i ever want to give up my sleep
2: get used to it buddy
1: that's the whole point <laughs> <laughs> like you need to work out how much you actually love her and what your motivation for loving her actually is like are you loving her for you or are you loving her for her and also you want to get used to sleep deprivation if you're going to get married like <laughs> or mm. have kids but but you need to start off with that self-sacrificial desire
0: mm.
1: otherwise you're just trying to fill your own emptiness and it's not going to work. Yeah.
0: So, Marty, what's, what's your current mission? Um,
2: trying to help our kids grow up and know Jesus is number one. We like inviting people in, into our house to eat with us, to experience something with us, you know, all sorts of people. Really with that idea of inviting people to come into, to some degree, to come into our relationship and, and enjoy that with us. And I, I, also do this podcast, <laughs> joking a little.
0: <laughs> uh, should say, should say hello, give a shout out to your son too, to G Star. He said he's Star. he listens.
2: Yeah, he's been listening. It's been great. He comes and um, he comes and bugs me and go about some something I said that I can't even remember because we recorded weeks ago. I go, and, and, and has a conversation with me. You know, jobs me about it. I go, that's really funny. <laughs> 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 uh, but I will say in terms of mission confident that there's there's more to come I think the the future in this adventure with God will be bigger than the past was and I think that's common for everyone who's on that who's on that journey with God but I think you can be confident about that mm.
0: well well done Marty on 19 years and having spent a lot of time at your house well done to you and your wife quite genuinely on 19 years of forgiveness and of mercy. <laughs> yeah, <that's
1: it>.
0: uh... <laughs> and of, can I just say this, there's a bit of affirmation. What I do love about your marriage is that you will often resolve conflict whilst hugging or holding hands. There have been times when I know you're, you're trying to put the hug in and Donna's actually saying, not yet. <laughs> 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 Hear me out first. But it's been it's been a joy actually watching your your relationship develop from from back in those uni days when we we're all very excited when you had proposed to Donna to getting married to your first child.
2: Thanks, buddy. Yeah, I just I just think Donna's pretty awesome and um, she puts up with me, which is great.
0: Mm. Does Donna listen? Yeah, but she'll take a
2: while to catch up. Oh. She's a few oh, she's Donna. a few behind.
0: Oh, well, Merry yeah. Christmas, Donna.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, We better say prayer, dudes. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit, Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your gifts to us. Thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for the sacramental way that you allow us to have this gift. I'd like to pray for everyone preparing for marriage, that they would seek you out, and that they would uh, put you at the forefront of their marriage. So I pray for everyone getting married, that you would bless their marriage Lord. I'd like to pray for people who are married, Lord, that you would continue to pour your grace on them and that they would in new ways, see the beauty of their spouses. And I'd like to pray for everyone who's struggling in their marriage Lord. and I'd like to pray that they would, uh, through your grace, that they would find you and that they would find each other again and anew amen Amen. amen. Our lady seek of wisdom
0: pray, pray for, for us, us. Pray. Saint Louis and Zelie Martin pray for us pray for us
1: well, we just pray you bless us and anyone else who's listening bless you the Father the Son the Holy Spirit amen amen, amen. We should have talked about the uh, extremely long engagements that people have.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they're silly. Oh, what's the point of engagement? Yeah.
1: Well, people don't get married until they've got the deposit for their house or whatever.
2: That's really bad advice.
1: Slip this into the podcast at some point, Sam.
0: No, Marty's doing the editing. We'll just put it end. We'll oh, <laughs> Keep going. Don't stop.
1: I've met so many people who say, we got engaged, but we're not going to get married for another four years because we're trying to save money for a house. Really? And you don't want that grace. You don't want the sacramental grace. You think you can do it better on your own. But there's something about, you know, struggling. Like everyone's been sold this idea of get the perfect house and the perfect car and the perfect pool and then you live happily ever after. But you've been sold a lie about materialism when actually you're meant to just struggle mm. through you know like mm. yeah go and live in the dodgy apartment struggling to pay the rent and you got to fall more, more in love with each other you know because yeah. it's not all perfect
0: That's right. what is this we finish finished the podcast and then you get into the most passionate
1: monologue you've got oh because he reminded me of that thing <laughs> but, oh, sorry as a priest there are so many things where I just want to I'm not allowed to but I'd love to just slap like, couples and just say like you're missing the point <laughs> like seriously yeah it's like... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah don't do that Get married.
2: Blue.
0: The treasure, your world. Skip to the end. Have you the wind?